Well, we are in this series about uh, fruit by the foot. We've been going through and talking about the different fruits of the spirit. You guys, I cannot find fruit by the foot. I'm working on it. <laughs> my, my supplier has run dry. So hopefully by next week, we'll have more fruit by the foot to throw out. How many of you guys have felt like the sermons have been 10% less anointed without the fruit by the foot? The children probably definitely do. They're like, where's my dew? I get donut holes and fruit by the foot every time I come here. But um, let's turn to Galatians 5.22. In Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. This is what we've been going through, and we've been going through each and every one of these, um, you know, fruits uh, one by one, and today I really want to talk to you guys about goodness. Now remember, what we've been talking about is that it's not us trying harder to have all of these attributes, right? It's actually us allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our life, and then He, these are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So as He is working in our life, He works these fruits in us, right? So uh, where the Spirit goes, the good fruit grows. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get that right. Where the Spirit goes, the good fruit goes. If you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, this fruit of the Spirit will begin to come out. So goodness. Now, how many of you guys, I just had someone talking to me in the lobby and they were like, I'm excited to hear what goodness is about because I'm teaching in a kid's class and I don't understand the notes, right? <laughs> right? What is goodness, right? And so I think, you know, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we live in this age of hyperbole. How many of you guys have noticed? We kind of use a lot of hyperbole. You guys are like, what is hyperbole? It's when you exaggerate something. Now, I don't mind hyperbole as long as it's positive. I actually probably have a pet peeve when it's negative. Negative hyperbole bothers me so bad, right? You know, like, you know, Jack punched me in the stomach. Okay, did he punch you in the stomach or did he pat you as he ran by? You know, which one is it, okay? There are Legos everywhere. Are there Legos everywhere or is there some out right here on the ground, you know? The, the kids got peanut butter all over the couch. Is it literally coating the whole couch or is there a small spot, right? You know, like which one is it? We're so used to in our world this hyperbole. I remember it's probably been almost 10 years ago, this, this mom in the, in the youth group, she was talking to me and she said, you know, that's your word, awesome. You always say that word, awesome. And I realized, oh no. This was 10 years ago. I was like, oh no, I'm, I've been marked. My word. This isn't a word people use anymore. I'm already getting old. You guys, 10 years ago, I'm still using that word. It's just stuck now, okay? Well, that's how we talk. We say, this restaurant is so amazing. This is the best food you'll ever have. And then when someone comes and they say, hey, how was dinner? And you say, it was good. We basically think like it was bad, right? We're like, good, not great. Wow, never going there. Right? We don't really even understand what good means. Because when someone says it was good, it basically means that was garbage. Right? If you're not exaggerating, you know, in our culture, you're basically not even communicating. You guys say, you guys, it's true, huh? Neighbors are like, your dog barked all night. Really? Or did they bark twice? And it woke you up. I'm sorry they woke you up, but was it all night? You know, really? Which, which one really was it? If, if you have a, a baby and your husband, you know, was kind enough to stay up with the baby, then the baby was up all night, 
right? But if you're the mom and this has been your life for nine months, staying up with the baby, it's just your normal life. You're like, I got two hours of sleep and it was amazing, right? But we live in this world of, of hyperbole. And so we hear that one of the attributes really of God is goodness and we don't have any context for it. Okay, good, I guess. It's not greatness. That's kind of a bummer, God. You couldn't upgrade, right? We don't really understand what this word even means. I want to go to Genesis 1.31. This is going to be, if you brought a Bible today, this is the easiest day for you to find the passage. It's the, like, first page, okay? You can do it. It's literally page two for me. You can get there. But Genesis 1, we, we, we have this creation narrative, right? We have the creation story. And, you know, you probably have it a little bit memorized in the beginning. God created, good job, the heaven and the earth, right? We have this story that it says that there was, there was nothing. It was void. It was, there was nothing there. And God came. And what did he do to create the world? Does anyone know? He spoke, right? He spoke. It's the first thing he does. It says, let there be light, right? And there was light. And then he goes on and for seven days, God is creating the world that we live in today. And every single day, at the end of the day, after he had done his creation, what does he say? It was good, right? And so we can read this and say, well, I thought it was great. It's interesting. Why did he say good? It was just fine. Is that what he meant? It's fine, I guess, right? No, God is using this word good. And in Hebrew, the word that he uses in creation is a Hebrew word tov, definitely didn't pronounce it right. It means fulfilling the action for which a person or thing is specially fitted or used or for which a thing exists, a functioning within its intended purpose. When God says, this is good, he's saying this perfectly, this is perfectly functioning in its intended purpose. And on the sixth day, we know God created man and woman, and he said they are good, right? And it says in the Bible that in our likeness, God says this, in our likeness, I created him. So we're the only thing in the world, in the earth, in the universe that was created in the likeness of God. And he stepped back and he said, it is good. It is functioning within its intended purpose. And that's really what I want to um, talk about today is how when we are exhibiting goodness, that we are functioning in our intended purpose, the intended purpose that God created you for. So how do we walk in goodness? How do we walk in goodness? The first way is we have to believe that what God created is good. How many of you guys have watched anything narrated by, is his name David Attenborough? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's the famous voice. He does all the nature shows, you know, and I'm not even, I'm, I was going to impersonate it, but it'll be terrible. <laughs> I'm not going there, right? I'm not going to do it. But he, he, you know, he, he talks about the universe. He talks about this lizard. He talks about this rock. He talks about this octopus. Anything he narrates, we're like, wow, right? It is easy to look at the world. It's easy to look at creation and know it's good, right? It's easy to look at what God has created around us when you look at the stars and you go, oh, that's incredible, Right? It's easy, you know, if you are digging and you all of a sudden you start seeing some bizarre earthworms and some bizarre bugs and these ecosystems, and you think, wow, all 
this is going on under my feet, right? It's incredible what God has created. But what about when you look in the mirror? Suddenly it's a lot more difficult for us to believe that what God created was good, right? But God not only created the eagle, he not only created the planets, he not only created this incredible, you know, tidal wave system of water and earth, right? But he also created you. And the first way for every single one of us to be able to walk in goodness is to first realize and believe and truly walk in this fact that God created you, that he made you. And he stepped back and said, it is good, meaning it is functioning in its purpose. You see, we live in a culture where we're always not quite leveling up, right? We live in a culture where we're, we're, we're not really that good. We're mostly a mistake. We're mostly an accident. We're mostly just, you know, some sort of science experiment that happened to work out. We don't have a culture that is screaming at us that we are good. We don't have a culture that is screaming at us that we were actually made in the likeness of God. And so the first step to have goodness is to believe what God created is good. He didn't create you bad. He didn't create you as an accident. He didn't create you as a mistake. He didn't create you flawed. He created you to function in your intended purpose. When we believe this, we can live without striving, without insecurity, without pride, without comparison, when we can really truly believe God made me specifically the way that I am. You know, um, my husband Jake, he is the most routine human I've ever met in my whole life. I can always tell when he's actually changed a very small change in his routine because things around our house will suddenly be different, right? I mean, he's, he's just routine. I know exactly how long. If he says, I'm going to go shave and take a shower, I can, I can clock it. I can literally put a timer outside of the bathroom, right? I just, he's the most routine person I've ever met in my life. I am not a routine person. I have maybe never have been, right? Now, I, I loved the Lord. I had a great relationship with God before I met Jake. But once we got married, man, and he seems to do everything so perfectly with these routines. And so I was always living a little bit under this just kind of guilt and shame that I didn't have routines. And I would try really hard to have routines. And I would beat myself up. And I would, is this, none of this pressure was coming from Jake. He probably doesn't even... He's not here, so he probably doesn't even realize he has routines, right? It's just him living his life, wondering why I'm calculating and staring, right? But, but he, I'm like, oh, if only, and you know, I would be much better. This is what God wants, a diligence, you know? He, he wants this kind of life. He wants it when you do everything exactly the same way all the time. And, and I was putting this pressure on myself, always trying to be this routine person and literally always failing failing. And then um, probably, you know, around eight, nine, ten years ago, we found the Myers-Briggs test. How many of you guys have heard of the Myers-Briggs test? It's just a personality test. It's four different letters. You know, you are a JQLP, right? Or whatever you are. And, um, you know, kind of just gives you information about your unique wiring, that sort of thing. Anyways, um, in, I was reading about the Myers-Briggs test. I was reading all this information about myself. It was really interesting, really enlightening. And then I read three words that changed my life. It said in the ENFP, that's, those are my letters. So in that it said three words, incapable 
of routine. I literally stared at the words for probably 10 minutes. I was just staring. I think I was sitting on my bed, like, you know, reading online. And I was like, what? What? Incapable? Like, not even like, it's hard. It's rough. It's difficult. Incapable. And I was like, I have been beating myself up for years, thinking this is what I should be. This is what a good Christian would do. And here, my literal, this thing is saying it's, I'm incapable. I don't even have the, the bone in my body to do it, right? And in that moment, it was like I had this spiritual awakening because I realized, God, you created me. You created me. You made me. So I'm literally fighting against this thing, thinking I'm not good. I'm so bad, right? Beating myself up on something that you put inside of me. And it changed my life. I'm not kidding. It changed my life. I realized, wow, I, it's okay. I let myself off the hook in that area. That this is a difficult thing. And can I tell you, I'm actually way more routine now than I was then when I was striving so hard. God created you. And if you could really believe that every day, walk that out, really realize, hey, you know what? Maybe there are things that I need to work on. I'm not saying this is, you know, I'm just off the hook and I just live my life without routine. No, I still make my kids breakfast every day and do their laundry and I make food and I have food in the house, right? There's things, I'm not saying this is, this is the reason I can let myself off the hook of all of my responsibilities, but I realized, man, God is the one who formed this quirky personality inside of me and the quirky routine personality inside of my husband. And together, we can make a beautiful thing, right? Realizing that if you would really truly believe that God created you and that he says, remember our um, definition of creation, functioning with your intended purpose. He created you to function within your intended purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Was this word handiwork, you know, unless you're like into the Charlotte Mason philosophy of homeschooling, you're hardly ever going to hear this word, right? Like this is the most niche word. We don't talk about handiwork anymore, you know, in our world. But what does this mean, the word handiwork? It, really, it actually means something crafted with skill and for a purpose for God. You see, that what the verse is saying is that God created you with skill, with purpose, for what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. God created you. He was personally involved in your creation of who you are. He knows that you snort when you laugh, right? He knows that you can't stand being late, right? He knows that you love spicy food or he know, you know those little quirks of your personality. He literally knows what that is. And he created you beforehand, before you were born for good works for him. So he created you on purpose and he created you for a purpose. And that's our second point 
is to live your purpose. How do I walk in goodness? First, I have to recognize and live out that God created me. The second one, I need to live that purpose that he created me for. So what is the purpose that he created you for? We have, you know, um, actually I have a video for you. This is, if you guys would play that video for me. You know, this is, you know, some sort of incredible machine that's in a museum. But look at all of the pieces. Look at all of the gears. This is really what God did, right? He created all of humanity on purpose with a specific design and for a purpose. And if instead of us, when we only think of ourselves as individuals and where we fall and how good we're not, right? Instead, if we would think of ourselves as, no, God created me with a purpose in this world and for a purpose in this world. I'm part of this big, beautiful machine that God created. We all have a general purpose. If you're a Christ follower, we have this big purpose, right? And that comes from Matthew 22, 37 through 40. A person comes to Jesus and he says, you know, he's talking about the 10 commandments. And he said, which is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus, he says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it, or a second is equal to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These are our commandments. This is it, right? This is our purpose. And it's really easy to say, and it's very difficult to live out. How many of you guys are like, yeah, done. One and two, got it. Next, right? No, it's every single day. Every single day I have to decide to love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. Every single day I have to decide to love my neighbors, all the people around me, just as much as I love myself, right? It's a daily thing that we say, this is my purpose on this earth. So how do we do this? How do we live out our purpose? The the first way, do next track. You knew I was gonna say it. You knew it. Do next track. If you haven't done next track, go to next track. This is a lot of what we talk about, is finding your purpose, right? Finding what what God has uniquely gifted you to do. It happens every Sunday at 9 a.m. during first service. If you haven't finished, finish next track. If you haven't started, start next track. The second thing is to get into community. If you come on Sunday and no one really knows you, man, get more into the community. This is your invitation to a really huge family. You know, maybe you were born into a huge family. Maybe you were born into a small family. Guess what? If you're part of Joy Church, now you have an enormous family. And that's really what we want to be. Get into community. You are going to better be able to find your purpose and live out your purpose if you get into this community. Join a joy group, meet some people, make some friends, right? Find your place, find your tribe inside of this church. Get into community. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12, it says, so we keep on praying for you. This is Paul. He's writing to the church in, um, I think it's Thessalonica. And he says, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. Isn't this beautiful? I think as Christians, a lot of times we think we're just magically supposed to be able to live a life worthy of the call of God, right? And then we fail. How many of you guys fail? (laughs) I fail. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, I'm praying for you that God would enable you to live a life 
worthy of his call. I can't on my own strength live a life worthy of what God has called and asked me to do. I need him actually to enable me to be able to do it. Right? We keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Is there another verse there? Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our Lord God, of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Right? It's not in our own strength that we live out our purpose. It's actually God enabling us to live out the purpose that he has for you. There are things that God specifically has for you to do in your life. You know, what's so powerful about Rochelle and Jacob's story is that there was such a long time, not for me it's a less, less t- long time, right? But still, it's a long time that this story, this idea, this heart, this dream was birthed inside of them. And you, people could have, you know, heard her talk about it, heard them talk about it and been like, oh, maybe, right? Or not really thought about it, but it's incredible. No, there was a dream birthed in their heart by God. And now they're getting closer and closer and closer to seeing that dream realized. And imagine how many lives will be changed because of it. And that's the exact same thing God wants for your life. He wants you to realize I am created on purpose. But not only that, I am created for purpose, right? I am Christ's handiwork, created for good works, which he prepared beforehand. He he has works for you to do in your life that he prepared before you were ever even born, dreams that he has for you to accomplish in your lifetime. And it's never too late. Maybe you're sitting here today and you say, well, I'm actually getting kind of old. Or, oh, I've already kind of messed up. Or, oh, I already have all of these problems. No, that's not where God is at with you. He's saying, anytime you want to start, I'm ready. I created you for good works, and I can't wait to enable you to do them. I can't wait to enable you to walk in them. You know, we, we don't normally do this, but um, I, don't, I don't know you, but during worship, I kind of felt like God had a word for you. Sorry. <laughs> There's a verse in um, Psalms 139 where God says, I knew you before you were even born. I knit you together in your mother's womb. And I felt like God today just wanted to tell you specifically that he made you. He formed you that you were not a mistake, you're not an accident, but God created you. And in the Bible, we see this beautiful picture of God where he leaves the 99 sheep and he chases after one, one daughter, one son that he wants to be in relationship with. And I felt like God was saying that to you today. I've been chasing after you. I've been chasing after you because I want to be in relationship with you. And I don't know, I don't know what that means for you. I don't know if that's hitting home, but I just felt that during worship for you. And that's something it's, uh, you know, called prophecy. It's in the Bible. It's just when God has a specific word for a specific person. You know, I have a whole nother point and I've run out of time. And so, you know, I'll put it onto the Joy Church app. So if you guys get on the app, um, you can hear the very last point. It's so good. You don't want to miss it, man, for real. 
but God created you on purpose. We live in a world that would like you to believe that you are slime plus time plus chance. That's what Jake always says. I tried to get it right. <laughs> right? That you're just a cosmic accident, you know, just a, how did this happen? Wow. That's not what God says. He says, before you were even in your mother's womb, I knitted you together. I formed you. And I not only created you on purpose, right? But with purpose. I have purpose for your life. I have purpose for your existence. I have purpose for you. I have purpose. I have destiny in you. I have dreams for you. If you will tap in to who I am, right? And this is such a beautiful story, the Bible, because God literally created the world and said it was good. It's, it's functioning in its intended purpose. And then we, as humans, we are the ones who brought sin into the world, who brought anger into the world, who brought murder into the world, who messed up this beautiful, perfectly functioning creation that God had made. And yet God still so wanted a relationship with you that he still made a way. He said, oh, I, I can't live this creation that I made. I can't live not being in relationship with them. So even though they messed it up, I will make a way to be back in relationship with them. And that's what he did when he sent Jesus, his son who lived that perfect life for you and I. When he died on the cross, what he was doing is he was taking on the punishment of all sin, of all time that we've done, that we will do. He was taking on all of that punishment and he was saying, if you will believe in me and trust that what I paid for you on the cross is enough, then you will be saved. And each and every one of us is invited into a relationship with the creator of the universe. What an incredible thing. There is no other religion, there is no other God that wants to have a relationship with its creation. This is a beautiful world that God has created for you and I to walk in. And what it takes is for us to have faith that says, God, I believe you are God, the one and true God. And I put my faith and trust in you. I trust you that you created me and that you have purpose for my life. And I'm going to begin to walk in that purpose. And maybe you're here today and you don't know God. If everyone would just bow their head and close their eyes right now, I want to give you an opportunity to really come into relationship with Jesus. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? We're not doing this to embarrass you. It's just a way of you putting your faith in Jesus. If you're not in a relationship with God, just lift up your hand. We want to pray with you and for you. Anyone in this room? I'm going to pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for today, God. God, I thank you that when you look at us, you don't say any of those labels or those words or those things that we've labeled ourselves with, God. But you say, I created you to function perfectly. And God, I thank you that we find that functioning when we are in relationship with you. And God, I pray that each person in this room will walk in more faith towards you. God, that they will turn their heart more towards you, God, that we will begin to tear down and erase the lies and the labels that we have put on ourselves or other people have put on us. God, that we will believe that we are who you say we are, God, that we'll begin to throw off the things around us that have been stopping us 
from living in your purpose for our lives. I pray that each person in this room will walk out of this place, walking in the purpose that you have for us, God. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.